Hey, this is Bradley Weber. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Forward Church. Listen, I'm so glad you tuned in to today's podcast. I hope it challenges you and inspires you to go after God and be all that God's called you to be. Enjoy today's message. Good morning. As you can tell, we are missing a few people, very important people. Not that everybody isn't, but these two are very, three, excuse me, are very, very, four are very important. Um, They will be back in. They should have landed at this point. So, um, but anyway, you get me. Lucky you. No, um, let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. We thank you for everything that you're doing in this house. And Father, everything that you're doing in each of our lives, Father. I pray this morning that the word will be heard It will be received in love, in Jesus' name. So, my question for you this morning is, do you want to be great in God's kingdom? And your answer? I think we all do. Well, there are five steps that I feel like the Lord has showed me for this morning. Excuse me. And if I cry... I'm sorry, already. It's just like when I get under the anointing, it's like, anyway. Five ways to be great in God's kingdom. The first one is surrender. We must live a surrendered life in order to please our king, who is Jesus Christ. Um, If we don't live a surrendered life, then we are living for ourselves and We've all lived for ourselves a little bit, and we know where that gets us in a lot of trouble. So um, we must live a surrendered life to be pleasing to God. Um, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. When we live that kind of life, we can't go wrong. But when we live where it's just me living inside of me and me doing what pleases me, then I have trouble. And that's not pleasing to me, to God first, or really to anybody else that you're around. When you're pleasing yourself, you're, you're not a really good person to be around usually. Um, John 3.30 says... He must increase, and he meaning God, Jesus, must increase, and I, me, must decrease. That means whatever he wants must become greater than what I want. And that's really difficult sometimes because we want what we want, right? I mean, I do. I want what I want. But I must ask God Is that what you want for my life? Because what he wants is a lot greater and will please me a lot more 
than what I want because I don't know everything. I may get something right now, but a year down the road, it may be like a real burden to me because I didn't really ask God, what do you want? And he would have given me something that would have probably lightened my load on down the road. That was a rhyme, lighten my load down the road. So um, the greatness of a man's power is in the measure of his surrender. So if you want power, and we all strive for power. I mean, just look out in the world. But if you want real power, you must surrender to the one who has all power, and that is Jesus. Um, The Lord will transform every area of your life that you surrender over to him. So if I give just a little bit, he's going to give a whole lot more because I've surrendered a little bit. I want to give you a, a, a little story. Not a story, but it's something. Friday night, we did the ball game at this school, the concession stand. Um, we surrendered our Friday nights. Very simple, isn't it? Didn't have nothing else to do on Friday night. Everybody in my house was gone, so I was all by myself, so it was good for me to be there. But we surrendered our Friday nights to please other people. Because if the concession stand had been closed, people wouldn't have been able to buy their hot dogs and their hamburgers and their Cokes and whatever else. We did not have hot chocolate. People wanted hot chocolate. But we surrendered ourselves. That's how simple life can be. I mean, we make it like surrender. I'm giving everything to God. But you gave your Friday night. That's a start. Right? I mean, we got to start somewhere. And like Adam was praying over the offering this morning, you got to start somewhere. Surrendering is even giving your offering sometimes. It's like, God, I don't even have enough to make it through till Friday when I get my next paycheck. Or I don't even have a check coming in on Friday. But I'm going to give you this. And you've surrendered that up to the Lord. And I promise you, he will make something happen for you. It may not be exactly what you want to happen, but it will be something. You will not have a need through that week because you surrendered up what God wanted you to do. So his, if you surrender whatever you surrender to him, he will make better. So keep that in your mind. So the first step is surrender to the Lord. Okay, the next one, number two, is edify or encourage others. That's really not difficult to do, but we don't do it very often. We always see the bad in people. We always pick out that one thing that they did wrong or that one thing that we don't like about them. But what about that whole person? Isn't there something in that person that is beautiful? I mean, most of the time, you can look at people's eyes. Most everybody has pretty eyes. And guess what? That is the gateway to the soul. Your eyes. So if you've got eyes that are, that tells me a lot about your soul. If you've got bright eyes and they're they're full of life, That tells me a lot about your soul. 
So think of that when you're walking around in your seat, because we encounter people every day. Be an encourager. Nobody likes to be around a Debbie Downer. You would much rather be around somebody who was encouraging you, who had always, always had a word of, or something of encouragement. And I have to shout out to my husband. He is the most encouraging person I know. I mean, he can find, he can find dirt. He can find something good in dirt. And I mean, it's, it's amazing because I don't see the things he sees. I'm like, really? You really think that? Mm-mm. I don't think so. But it turns out that that's really something good in people. I mean, y'all know when he comes up here, he's all the time talking to y'all. All the time. Sorry. <laughs> but he sees goodness in you, and he's trying to bring it out. Because there is good in every person. Even the worst person, there's something good. And most of the time, the reason that people are the way they are is because they've not been encouraged to be good. They've been encouraged, well, you're going to be nothing. Your life is going to absolutely make nothing. You're just, you're just sorry. No, there's something inside of you that is great, or you wouldn't be here. God did not create you to be sorry he created you to be great. Let that sink in. Um, the definition of edifying or encouraging somebody is the act of giving support, confidence, or hope. Just a little something could be exactly what somebody needs to make it through. Just that little word of, man, you look great today. Or you've got one of the most beautiful smiles. Something. Or your heart is so open. You just, you're like a sponge. You just soak it in. Just something that they would, that would make them feel better for the day. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says... We are encouraged to do this. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. If the word says it, we better be doing it. And Ephesians 4.29, I, like, I wrote it down, but I like it better out of this Bible. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. That's what we're supposed to do every day is just offer up a little bit of grace. Just a little bit. And if everybody just added a little bit, this would be a much better place to be. Not just here. I'm talking the whole earth. So let's edify and encourage other people every day. Um, quote, encourage others to be better and you also will be better. Think about it. When you do encourage somebody, don't you feel good inside? Doesn't it make you feel like, wow, that made me feel good too. So when we are good to people, it's the golden rule. What you do unto others is going to come back to you. So if you're always ugly and you're always being whatever to people, don't be surprised when that comes back. But if you're always giving out encouragement, 
It may not always come back, but at the time that you need it most, it will be there. You may not always get it. I mean, it may not flow like you want it to or like you give it out. Like, I know my husband is, is very encouraging. He doesn't get a lot of encouraging words because sometimes people don't like what he says. I mean, that's, I don't like what he says sometimes. Most of the time, no. But it will come back at the most needed moment in your life. You will have somebody who walks up and says exactly what you need to hear. So encourage people. So number three, relationships. When we go into relationships, we're all, we always think boy-girl, husband-wife. No, it's just a friend relationship. Just having somebody that you can lean on. Having somebody that you can talk to, having somebody that has maybe the same likes as you, just having a relationship. Jesus will put you with somebody. If you ask him, God, I need a friend that I can just relate to, he'll give you somebody. The devil will too, so be careful. Um, A relationship, the way in which two or more concepts, objects, or people are connected or the state of being connected. So when you're in a relationship, you connect. There's something that both of you have that connects. That makes sense? Okay. Matthew seven twelve says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. So if you're in a relationship, if you're always the one that is taking, 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 never encouraging that other person or never doing anything, that relationship's not going to work. If you're always the one who's giving the love or giving whatever, it's not going to work. You've got to have a a working relationship is one that both give and take. There's going to be times in your relationship that you're the taker. And then there's going to be times that you better be the giver. Okay? Um, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, "As shar- iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another." Dennis and I do that very well, because he is—he's just that, yeah, that. Whatever he says, it, it almost—it's like it just—you're like, whoa, because he's got such a passion inside that anything he says is like, it. If you if. If you're in a receiving mode, it's awesome. But if you're not in a receiving mode, you're like, back off, dude. You, you just sent me into a wrong place. I mean, it really is. And there's a lot of people. He's not the only one. There's a lot of people that are that way. But your heart has to be right to receive that. But I'm more of the, oh, it'll be okay. Everything's going to be fine. And so we, we sharpen each other. Because he, he says, no, it's not going to be okay. We've got to do this and this and this to make it right. So it sharpens off those little sweet edges of me where I, on the other hand, Dennis, do it this way. Maybe it will be a little less abrasive, you know, how you say things or how you do things. Maybe just take off the edge a little bit. So we, you sharpen each other. And in a relationship with, like, a friend, that friend should be able to tell you, Hey, man, that outfit, just, that ain't doing nothing for you. 
or your hair, you might need to do something. And if you are a good friend, you'll be like, okay, what can I do? Show me, tell me. And if you're a good friend, you'll help. If you're a bad friend, you'll say, no, I'm not going to do anything. I look better beside you, so we'll go to town, you know, whatever. But that's what it means by sharpening each other. You want to have a friend who, is, who can tell you something and you not get totally just out of whack over it. Um, John 15, 12 says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So that is a command. That's not just a suggestion. That is a command, that we love each other. You may not like each other, but you, we are commanded to love each other. Well, how do you do that? If you don't like them, how are you going to love them? You love them through what you don't like. You have to. I mean, there's people in all of our lives that we just don't like. I mean, they, they, we just don't like them. But we must love them if they're our brother or sister in Christ. We must love them. And that's the only way you're going to be great in God's kingdom is to love them through what you don't like. Because what you don't like may not be their problem. It may be your problem. What I don't like about you may be something that I'm really dealing with inside of myself and I need to work through it. Not really you. But if I'm loving you through it, both of us are going to get better. Does that make sense? Um, to be rich in friends is to be poor in nothing. When you have friends, you will lack nothing. It's just like we say here in this church, if you have a need, it's in the house. Now, if you keep on needing, then something needs to happen because, you know, I mean, whatever. But if you have a need... Somebody in this body has the answer. God will give them the answer to your need. If that's financial, if that's a word, I, you know, there's somebody here that has the answer to your problem. You just have to seek it out. All right, number four, vision. Um, the ability to think plan, or plan the future with imagination and wisdom. That's key. Imagination and wisdom. Because if you have imagination and you don't have wisdom, you can get caught up in some crazy. But with wisdom, with God's wisdom, he will keep you on the steady path. That's why you should always pray for God's wisdom. Because our wisdom kind of gets crazy. And we can, we can think it's, it's good and it may not be. So that's why we should always seek out God's wisdom. So the vision, the, um, let's see, Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may, so he may run who reads it. So we're, that basically is saying, put it out there so everybody can see it so that we can all head toward the goal. So... Um, that's what we've done here in the ministry. The vision for the ministry, if you don't know it, please see somebody who does. Because this vision has a, ministry, has a, a vision. This ministry has a vision. And that vision is to reach the souls of Chiefland, Cross City, this Tri-County area. 
it is not to be the mega church of the tri-county area. That's not the vision of this ministry. If you think it is, then you're mistaken. Our vision is to save souls. Not us, Jesus. We have the answer to the hurting people out there. We just have to take it out there and do it. And we did Friday night. We did Friday morning. Those who were at the the thing Friday morning, you guys really sacrificed being up at 5.30 and being at the church. Mm -mm. Blessings on your life. You guys did a great thing. Um, But the vision is a big deal because that is what God gave for this area, and we've got to follow it. We can't have 10 visions, or we'll be like crazy trying to fill up, you know. There's one vision, and we all strive for it, and there it is. We meet it, right? Um, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, and we all know this one, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God knows you. God knows the plan he has for you. If he did not have a plan for you, you would not be here yet. So take that into consideration. There is a plan for you. It is, you've got to do your part. Get in the word, seek it out. What is the plan for me? Ask the Lord, what is your plan for me? I don't want to spend my wills doing nothing. I want to know what is the plan that you have for me, God? Well, he tells us pretty much it's to prosper you, not to harm you. And it's plans to give you a hope and a future. So don't ever think that God did something that made you, brought you harm. Because he didn't. He may brought you to that point, but you will get through that point. If that's a breaking point for you, then the enemy has you. Because God takes us to that, but he will bring us through our place where we have felt like down and can't get through, just I don't know. No, God says he has a plan of a hope. Hope, not downtrodden, not just unloved and all that kind of stuff. You can't stay down and love the Lord. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is a vision or where there is no vision, the people will perish. So if you don't know the vision, you're going to perish. And that's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to thrive and be a great people and go out and reach the lost and, and do for the community. So, vision is the art of seeing what is invisible to others. And like I told this, the ministry, this was a vision that God gave to Dennis a long time ago, 1989, 88. This vision 
And no, it's not where it's, it's not at the end stage. We're in the middle. It won't end till he comes back. So we're still striving and we're still working. There is work to be done. There is ground to be tilled. There are seeds to be planted. There is a harvest to reap. So if we're still planting seeds, it's not over. Because the garden hadn't grown yet. We don't have any sprouts growing. They're not full. What's growing right now? What is, is anything in season right now growing? Pineapple, pumpkins and that kind of stuff, greens. So if you're blooming in the winter, you're a green. I don't want to be a green. I'm going to be a strawberry. All right. Um, number five, equip and empower people. Supply the necessary items. No, supply with the necessary items for a particular purpose. Give someone the authority or power to do something. That's what empower means, giving someone the authority to do it. You have been given the authority to go out and preach the gospel. God gave that, that authority to us. Um, Isaiah 61.1 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for the captives, and release them from darkness of the prison. So it is our commission to go out, to bring others to Christ. So that is, that's what we should be doing. Not sitting in the church, eating all the food, and getting fat. Our purpose is to go outside these doors and speak to someone outside these doors and be an encouragement to them. Show them a vision. Have a relationship with them. That's what it's all about. It's not, I mean, we already love each other in here. You can see that when we open it up and you go tell, how's your mom and them? That's, we love each other in here. We all know the vision. We all have it. We have the love. We have the relationship. It's those people out there who need it. Not in, I mean, yes, in here, of course, if they come in and they don't know, yes. But those who, who don't, I mean, who know it, we're, we need to go out. And doing what we did on Friday night was going out. We didn't preach. We didn't do all that. We didn't hand out tracts. We didn't go, you know, ministry, whatever. But we were doing ministry. We were handing them a Coke. We were handing them a hot dog. We were doing service to those people. That's what ministry is all about. It's not always standing up here and preaching the word. It is working out there. And we've got to be equipped to do that. And 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed daily. You want your outer self to die. I mean... That old flesh on here, I want him to die. I want the new inner self 
to be better, to be renewed daily. Because I have to renew myself daily because I, I work in the schools. I deal with kids every day. And that, excuse me just a minute, they'll drive you crazy. So you have to be renewed every day. Because I want to go in tomorrow different than I was on Friday. Because who, I don't remember anything that happened Friday. But there might have been something that set me off on Friday. I don't want to go in like that tomorrow. I want to have a renewed mind. I want to be happy in the morning. I want to be able to service those kids the way they need to be served. And I do a lot more than nursing. It's just listening, pretty much. Pretty much, that's, that's what really ministry really is. You listen to people, because people have stories. You listen to them, and you find out a whole lot when you listen. That's why you have two ears and one mouth. You must listen double what you talk. But we like to talk, or most of the time. I want to tell you what's wrong. No, if you listen, they're telling you what's wrong. You don't have to tell them. They already know that they're messed up and that their world is crumbling and that, you know, they don't know the way. They'll tell you. You listen to them, and then you can speak into their life. They have to trust you first. They have to trust that you're not going to hurt them because everybody else has hurt them. Everybody else, they feel, and it may not be totally true, but they feel inside, and it's real to them. And I'm talking not just about kids now. This is about everybody. We feel sometimes inside that the world is, I, might as, I would be better off dead. Not, not true. If you would be better off dead, you would be gone. So if you're still breathing today, there's a reason for your life. So people, listen more than you talk. That's a big deal. Um, in John 13, 15, it says, I have set an example. This is Jesus talking. This is red letter. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. What has Christ done for you? The biggest thing is he died on the cross for you because none of us could have taken that. Most of us would not have done that. I don't know that I would have died for anybody, especially those who are saying, crucify him. Well, that's rude. What, if, what did Jesus ever do to get that? Nothing. He loved. That was his biggest problem, the greatest gift that he had. It wasn't a problem. People saw it as a problem, but it was a gift. To be able to love people is a gift because our natural eyes, when we're looking through the natural, we, we don't love people. People aggravate us. People upset us. People do ugly things to us. But when we look through the eyes of love, love covers a multitude of sin. We should quote that verse have that everywhere. Love covers. Because we want to uncover people. We want to say, did you know what she did? Blah, 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 blah. Do you know what he did? That's what we want to do. Because it makes us look better when we 
put somebody else down. Instead, we should love them through the mess that they're in. Getting off course a little bit. Equip yourself for life, not solely for your own benefit, but for the benefit of the whole community. Whenever God calls us to a task, he will equip us. That's a promise. All right. If you look back through, or if you wrote them down or whatever, if you didn't, the first one was surrender. Second one was edify or encourage. Third one was relationship. Fourth one was vision. And the fifth one was equip or empower people. If you take the first letter of each of those words, it spells out serve. Oh, man, Robin, really? You brought it all the way around back to that? Yeah. That's why it's all wrapped up. It's all wrapped up in serving people. If you, um, Jesus served because he loves to give us an example of how we should live because serving is a reflection of the gospel. Think about it. Jesus served us. Well, he didn't serve me. I didn't live back then. You wouldn't be living now if he hadn't served us back then. So Jesus Christ served us by dying on the cross. So if you ever start to think, well, I'm just, I've done so many things in my life. I'm just, I can't, God can't love me. Really? You think that highly of yourself? Because he died on the cross for you. And without him dying on the cross, you wouldn't be here. We would all be in hell. If serving is beneath you, ooh, this is hard. If serving is beneath you, leading is beyond you. So if you won't serve, you will never lead. The best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. That was Mahatma Gandhi who said that. The best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. And then um, this is the word joy. And I know if you've ever been in Bible school, you've, read, you've heard this. But it stands for Jesus, others, and you. And you is at the bottom, but it brings joy. So it, when you is at the bottom, and that's not good English, but when you is at the bottom, it's joyful. Well, how can that be, Robin? Everybody trampling over me and everything? No, that's not what it's about. When you're truly serving Jesus, you don't look it, at it as everybody's trampling over me because your heart is so, I don't, I don't know what it is. Your heart is just into loving people that it isn't, you don't look at the hurt that may be there. You look at love. You want to love them.
You can't lead the people if you don't love the people. You can't save the people if you don't serve the people. So, the only way we're going to be able to go out of here today and do anything outside these walls is to serve people. And serve is living the surrendered life, encouraging people, having a relationship with people, just getting to know them, just getting to like them, just doing things, doing life together. That's our big thing around here. Just do life together. That's a relationship. Knowing the vision and equipping people to come through. So, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you've got to be the servant of all. And we don't like that sometimes because it's like, they take advantage of me. No, if you're doing it for the Lord, you don't even look at the taking advantage part because your heart is right. When you're serving with the right heart, it doesn't matter what people do. I mean, there's, I could tell you stories, but that would take up more time. People hurt people. But if you serve them, they're going to know you're real, regardless. And if you still love when people have hurt you, then you're showing Christ. Because if I was not, not me, but if, I, if you don't love people through that, you're showing your flesh. Your flesh rises up. You're not going to use me like that. I'm not going to serve you. What if Christ would have done that for us? What if he would have said, "Mm -mm, God, I'm not going to do it. Nope. I'm not going to do it for those people. Did you see that one? Did you see how bad they hit me? Did you see what they did to me? I'm not going to serve those people. I'm not going to die for them. We would be in a heap of trouble if that would have happened. But because he did what he did, He was the servant of all. He was the king of kings, and he washed feet. Dirty feet. They're not like our feet. We got shoes. So our feet wouldn't be that dirty. If I went through here and I washed feet today, your feet, I would not wash the sandaled feet, but I would wash feet that had been in shoes, maybe not stinky shoes. But Jesus washed their feet. They walked on dirt roads, so their feet were dirty. But he served those, at least the 12 that he had, he served those men. He showed them how to be so that when he died, they could take it on. And that's basically what church does. That's what what church is. You're training people to go out and do what the word says. That's why you want to be in a Bible-believing Bible teaching church. Because if you're in just any place, 
They can teach you all kinds of stuff. But when you are in the Word, you've got to be in the Word yourself so that you know they're preaching you the Word. You can't just get it on Sunday and Wednesday. You've got to be getting it every day of the week. So that's a challenge. Because it's like, well, I don't, I don't have time to do that. Well, do you want to live in a, a life of service or do you just want to live? Just do whatever. You got to know the word. The word will set you free. But without the word, you're, you sit in bondage most of the time. But the word will set you free. So my main point was, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, and we all said we did, then we got to serve. And there are lots of places here in this ministry that you can serve. We have, right next door, our kids' ministry. They're always needing servers. Always, always, always. That's our next generation. And if we don't equip those little ones over there, what is this ministry going to look like in 10 years? You guys need to encourage Bryn. When you see her, encourage her. Because she is preparing the next church. Encourage her. Let her know, wow, girl, you are doing an awesome job. I mean, if you've worked over there at all, you already know how, how it flows. I mean, it's just, it's like a well-oiled machine right now. And it, I promise you, it did not used to be that way. It did not. So give encouragement to her. There's the cafe. You can serve. See Miss Francis, serve. We have youth. They need, a, they need people to come behind them and, and encourage them. Our teenagers go through a whole lot. A lot worse than what we used to go through when we were kids. And you hear that all the time, but it's true. They really do go through a lot more than what we used to go through as, as kids. There's a lot more out there that wasn't there when we were young people. So encourage our young people. Don't discourage them. They're already discouraged enough. Encourage them. Lift them up. Man, you guys are doing a great job. Keep it up. Turn that school around. I mean, that's, that's right now, not, not you, you're, school is your job. Just like we go to work every day, that's your job. And when you are working, you are showing what kind of person you're going to be when you really do get a real job. Are you going to be on time? Are you going to work hard when you get there? Are you just going to do enough to get by just so I can get my paycheck? Work hard. Nothing that you do will ever come back void. I mean, and that goes both ways. If you do bad things, it's not going to return void. It's going to give you some ramifications. If you do good things, it's going to come back, and it's going to be good. Cleaning the church, another area where you can serve. Everybody's like, not me. 
Everybody uses the bathroom. They got to be clean. Serve each other. Love each other. Thank you. I appreciate everything. I love you guys. I don't know if you know it. I hope you do. I hope I show it. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, you got to be a servant. So get to work. Father God, I thank you for the word. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Forward Church Online. At Forward, we believe that God speaks to each one of us individually, directing our lives and giving us focus. It is our desire that you would experience Christ and pursue His purpose for your life. One of the easiest ways to draw close to God is by connecting with the local church. Get started today by visiting myforwardchurch.org to find out all the ways that you can give, serve, and grow.